everyone. This is Milo. I just have a quick announcement for everyone. As you may have noticed, last week there was no new episode. We are going to be moving to a bi-weekly uh, podcast instead of being a weekly one. Part of that is because, so going forward, we're going to be moving to bi-weekly to hopefully be able to make it so that we are still putting out the same great content and that we're not losing anything from that. Hopefully one day in the future we'll be able to move back to weekly, but right now with just the two of us, it's gotten a little bit hard for that. But we want you to still be able to know what's going on, so we want to record this message for you all, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you. about like uh home rules like if you're a dm what kind of rules you have for your table versus like what may necessarily be like rules as written um so to kind of start off i wanted to go over some of the ones that i have and just kind of talk about kind of how i got those if i came up with them myself or through things that i saw other people doing i was like hey that's cool as fuck i'm gonna incorporate that in my table uh so some of the ones i have are pretty simple things like when it comes to spells I think as rules as written, you can only cast one spell in the turn, even if it's like a bonus action and something else. Mm -hmm. But the way that I like to do it is I allow you to do both as long as one of those is first level or lower. Oh, okay. So if you're going to be like, hey, I'm going to bonus action spiritual weapon, second level spell, or, and like also cast like cure wounds at first level, that would be okay. Okay. But you couldn't do like, I'm going to bonus action spiritual weapon and then third level revivify. Gotcha. That that makes sense. And so, and the same thing also applies if you're like, hey, I'm going to cast Cure Wounds at, like, a higher level. You wouldn't be able to bonus action spiritual weapon. Uh, but I think that that allows you to still have some more versatility of, like, you could still do a first level or a cantrip. Right. Which is, you know, good for casters who might not really be able to do anything else on a turn. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, there's a lot of things where it's just, like, you may not have a ton of bonus actions, but you could be like, oh, I've got, like, Healing Word or, like, mm-hmm. something like that to kind of, like, throw in there. Because I think most casters don't usually have a ton of bonus actions. I can't really think of a lot. I guess if you're a bard, you can always throw an inspiration someone's way. If you remember. If you remember. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, aside from that, because like, I'm trying to think, like, even like Druids, like the Wild Shape, I think is an action. And do you allow that as a bonus action, or? No, because there's a certain, uh, like, circle that does, that gives you, like, basically your Wild Shape as a bonus action, and so that would eliminate kind of like one of the benefits of taking that circle. Gotcha, okay. I think that circle of the moon, that's also the one that would you get, like, big and beefy with, like, what you can turn into. Oh, right, that, yes. I remember that one. Um, so I've got that. I have some, like, little rules about, like, uh, particularly tieflings, uh, of, like, the color of tiefling determines what your damage resistance is. Oh, yeah. So rules as written, all tieflings get fire resistance, but I think that's a little bit boring. Uh, and so I'm, like, depending on what color tiefling you are, it varies. And the way I kind of, like, do that in my head is, like, depending on what your lineage is, you may not have been, like, necessarily, like, the whole, like, fire fiendish, like, right. tiefling. And it also makes sense, because if you can do that for other races, why why not do it yeah. for tieflings or other things? Yeah, and so I'm just kind of like, 
I have a full list of like if you're red, it's this. If you're like purple, black, it's this. Yeah, yeah. So like purple is psychic damage, which that is how sense. Jackson with Manu got around the whole um damage resistant thing of being the bear totem by barbarian. Oh yeah. So bear totem by barbarians have resistance to all damage except for psychic when they're raging. Nice. And since he was purple, he had resistance to psychic as well. That's really funny, actually. So literally rage and resistance to all damage. damage. That is super nice. Um, or like Fu is black, so she has necrotic resistance. Right. Or white tieflings like uh, Utari was one of the people in the ship uh, have radiant resistance, which mm-hmm. is why she was scouted by Arrayus for her radiant resistance. Makes sense. Yep. So things like that. It's all coming together. <laughs> um, so I like incorporating like little details like that, or like. Do you with- have that with any other? races that's the only real like race specific one aside from like Faye having more like actual things with names right which aren't really a thing in terms of like the actual Faye like race like as standard right but I think that that's just part of me really enjoying like Faye mythology yeah that definitely dates back to existing lore um I've also got like little things kind of more spell related stuff of um basically resurrections aren't a guaranteed thing so like revivify you still make a check to see if it works oh um and if revivify fails you go into the true resurrection that is a full-on like ritual process where people can help and things like that Mm -hmm. um and so basically you go you undergo this massive ritual where people will make separate checks to add something to the ritual. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, a final check is made with them kind of DC modified by these things. That's cool. I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. And the DC also is affected by how many times you've died and been resurrected before. I'm assuming it goes up every yes. time. Yeah. So basically it makes it harder and harder to keep reviving the same person. Which also seems reasonable. Yeah. Because that definitely is a thing about D&D where it's like, well, if you can just die and come back with ease yeah it doesn't really matter at that point so you might as well up the stakes a little bit yeah so i kind of like try to incorporate that to make it so that like dying is still a thing to be afraid of yeah because i feel like a lot of people at high level are just like oh it'll be fine i'll die and then like we have a cleric i'll be back right this makes it a little more risky makes people like think a little more cautiously about what they're doing well see lucky for our party we don't have a cleric so that's yeah. definitely not something that we're ever thinking y'all don't have a cleric y'all don't have a rogue look i think between all of the backup characters that people are making because you know? of our upcoming prison break i have a feeling that at least one of those backup characters is going to hit that that class that is fair i do know that lucy's backup is a cleric druid right and i know that sage was considered considering maybe a rogue for her backup but she wanted to wait until ellie because we know that's a guaranteed character change that is true so she didn't want to build a backup that was going to be too close to this one yeah and we'll see how that goes by the time this actually airs we'll we'll know and we'll have done the prison break we'll have gone through that prison break although i guess by the time this airs depending on if it takes one or more sessions for the prison we'll have at least started the prison break we'll see how things are going yeah for for context in here um Two of the party members are in jail at the moment, um, awaiting trial. They're not going to trial. <laughs> yeah, the party is determined to not let them get to trial. Things will go poorly if they go to trial, because we have all been summoned as witnesses. Yeah. And I can't be on the witness stand. Not if they're going to zone of truth me. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it was a lot of um, a, a lot of chaos that kind of went all wrong very quickly. A lot of very unintentional chaos in a session that was designed to be not chaotic at all. <laughs> um, and so now consequences are coming back to bite them a little bit in terms of uh, Gregor had broken a prisoner out of prison under the pretense of bringing them to a different kingdom to stand trial for other crimes and instead took them into an alleyway, killed them, and ate them. And in fairness, they don't know that that prisoner was eaten yeah, yet, or even killed. Yeah, they don't know that the prisoner is eaten or killed, they just know that they were signed out and Gregor had used his real name and his like signet ring to like stamp all the documents so it's clear it was done by him. Um, to bring to bring this prisoner out, and then the prisoner has vanished and is no longer with Gregor. Uh, less than twenty four hours later, if it isn't the consequences of your own actions, sometimes. Yep, and because this is all happening less than twenty four hours after, that body is not decomposed. Um, but also, clerics that can cast zone of truth can also cast speak with dead. Oh fuck! You're right. Yep, you're right. Um, so if that body's found... Hmm, an interesting thing to consider. Not that there's much to be done about that via the party, because nope. I don't think anyone has the context because none of us are clerics to know about nope. that. <laughs> so... We will not be metagaming our way into that knowledge. Nope. Uh, yeah, so the party basically can either... Break them out before the trial. Without a rogue. Yeah, without a rogue. <laughs> um, I have this prison designed. I have the warden designed. I just need to get, like, I need to, like, figure out exact stats for the actual guards. But they'll have some assistance from their benefactor. But beyond that, there's only so much that can be done from the outside. It will come down to the party. It could be done without combat if things go very well. It won't because it's us yeah but look it can be done with minimal combat that's true and i would be so down to play a rogue i just don't want to do it right now because my other backup character is already a rogue and i that's wouldn't want to be in a situation where i'm playing and rogues in two campaigns yeah. i just think that would one be boring and two might get confusing because yeah. we're at like different levels and it would probably be different types of rogues like i just don't want to yeah. Don't want to deal with that. That is completely fair. But I also don't want to be a cleric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's options to either break the party out before the trial, break them out during the trial, where they're no longer under that magic anti-magic field. Yeah, I just think we should we should just try to do it before. Yeah. I think that's this maybe not the safest bet, but it's the safest bet from a trial perspective. Oh, yeah. Uh then there's the opportunity to somehow win the trial. That's not happening. That's literally not happening. <laughs> and then finally, the opportunity to lose the trial, they go to prison, and then break them out post-trial. Yeah, I just at that point, I just don't know why we wouldn't do it pre. Yeah. Because post-conviction, they're going to have a limited amount of time before they maybe get sent to different places. At least while waiting for the trial, they're going to be in the same place. Especially because neither of them are from this kingdom. Yeah, like I have no idea if they're going to be extradited back to their original kingdoms. I don't know what would happen with Gregor being extra. Well, we're not going to find out because he's either going to get broken out of jail or he's going to die. No. Those are really the only two options. That's fair. That's kind of how everyone in the party is right now. <laughs> Prison break or die trying. Yeah, I mean... <laughs>
Pretty much. <laughs> and I'm not dying for Gregor. Uh, you might be. <laughs> Would you... I mean, I don't think you're gonna have much of a choice in this. If you participate in the prison break, you might die. <laughs> and you're gonna be participating because I'm not telling you about his cannibalism. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, most of the party does not actually know for certain. Uh, a lot of them believe that he didn't, except for Nisa, who now knows for a fact that he did it. At, in fairness, she also thought about that he yeah. did it anyways, but now that it's confirmed, there is no way she's telling anyone. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, on a moral standpoint, I don't think it really bothers her that much. I mean, it definitely weirds her out, yeah. and she's very confused as to why Maggie helped. It's more of the, this complicated so many things, why the fuck did you do it? Yeah, but it's like, from a morality standpoint, like, she's a bounty hunter, so yeah. it's not like... It's like, I care less that you did it, and more that you got caught. Yeah, because it's just like, I don't question what my bounties are worth. Like, yeah. those people might not have really done anything wrong, but that's not my business. You know, that's fair. So... <laughs> You're just wormy, just ready to be a snitch at any time. Like, oh yeah, they did that. Yeah, this would be a good sacrifice. Like, fuck you, wormy. <laughs> Gregor's gonna kill wormy. <laughs> Gregor can't kill wormy. I know. He's gonna do his best. Wormy. If wormy gets released, then is in a physical body and could be killed. I also don't think Gregor can kill wormy in that point either. Yeah. yeah, and then there's always the option of Kermit drawing from the deck of many things and seeing if they can get something good. That would be fun, and I do support that idea. Yeah, because like, if you're already wanting to swap characters, that's one way to go out. It's a bit metagamey, but I feel like it kind of works because Kermit's so old and they kind of live life like yeah. not really giving a shit anymore anyways, so I would be fine with it. I think yeah. it's fun. They may take it as a thing of like, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna do it to save a friend. Yeah, I think that's like a reasonable, not too metagamey way to do it. Yeah. It's not like we don't already have the deck. Yeah. But yeah, also some context for that session of uh, I got to have a fun time basically interrogating my players and testing how much they actually pay attention and how much they take notes on stuff. The answer is not a lot. <laughs> I mean, some people pay attention more and some people take notes more and then some people did not. Do neither. <laughs> and some of us have keen mind and didn't have to worry <laughs> yeah. about it too much. God, it... It's such a good feat for like a such a roleplay perspective because in like combat and stuff, it doesn't really help. But for roleplay, that helps a lot. Being able to accurately remember anything within the past month. Yeah, it's been useful so many times. Yeah. Like I do take notes, but I don't take session notes. So I only write down things that seem important to me when they're happening. Yeah. Which just like isn't going to be everything that got asked. Like, I don't remember names of, like, towns a lot or, yeah. like, time frames for things very often. It was also just funny seeing, since everyone was being interviewed separately, seeing if they could try to come up with a cohesive story without being able to coordinate it first. That was kind of why it was nice being interrogated first, because I didn't have to worry about that. That's fair. I could just say my piece, and I didn't have to worry about, like, if I was metagaming anything or, like, trying to be strategic. Yeah, and, like, I think that that's, like, I think that that was really the hardest part is being, like, okay, I can't metagame this. I have to go with what they actually think would be true or what they could actually try to remember. Yeah, I think, I think Sage did a really good job <laughs> with that. It's a, the one word answers. <laughs> pass. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pass. Yeah, although that mostly came into play after Zone of Truth was cast. That's true. Because, like, 
There are so many ways that that could have gone. If certain things didn't get mentioned, uh, if people actually remembered everyone's fake names because they insisted on using fake names for the most part. I still don't think that was a bad idea. I don't think it was. <laughs> but I think that if people had actually remembered everyone's fake names. Well, see, those are things that should have been written down. And only a few of us did. <laughs> but I digress. Talladega. <laughs> back to home rules. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, back to, back to home rules. We were talking, the last thing we were talking about was uh, revivify stuff. Yeah, so again, resurrections, um, I make it a challenge, kind of, basically. Mm -hmm. To make it less trivial. Yeah. Um, I also kind of do a similar thing for remove curse. Where rules is written, remove curse just works. Mm -hmm. um, I have it be a check where it's modified based on if you know the source of the curse and you know what it does. You can't just be like, that looks like a curse. It's gone now. Sure. Makes sense. Um, part of that being for things like lycanthropy uh, being like a curse. Mm -hmm. So it, just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to just be like, yeah, this is a zero cost spell. Like I just have to cast it once and it's just gone. Right. Seems weird. But in the case of someone like Kieran who knows how they contracted it and when they contracted it and like why it happened, would that be easier because yes. they know all of that stuff? Yeah, that would definitely modify the DC. Okay. Uh, so you could still try to remove curse and the DC would be modified based off of that and we would go from there. Um, remove curse was attempted to restore someone's soul right. in a session and that one was a long shot to begin with. Yeah, this is what happens when you lose your soul willy-nilly. It might be a little bit difficult to get it back. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, like, I think that these past couple of sessions will really be a reminder for players of, like, be aware that things have consequences. Dumb decisions may lose you your soul. Uh, killing a person and using your real name may come back to bite you. I think that is part of the problem with D&D sometimes, is that it's very easy to kind of abide by a fuck around find out mentality until you but find that, out yeah and then it's a lot harder to be like oh yeah actually i still have to behave like a human being sometimes because things may happen and just because it's not really me who it's happening to doesn't mean it's not annoying or inconvenient <laughs> you're being attacked yeah indirectly you fucked around and now everyone's finding out it's not like you're the only one who does it, though. So oh, yeah. it's not just a you problem. Yeah. You just happen to fuck around the most recently. It's true. <laughs> but, I mean, that's part of the game is sometimes there are consequences, and sometimes the consequences affect everyone in the party, which, in turn, affect how they're going to respond to you a little bit. Ooh, I wanted to ask, what are your opinions on having nat 20s and nat 1s count in combat mm. but not narratively because i've seen dms who like stand by that as a concept because it's not like a you know they go very rules as written kind of thing and i think that's stupid yeah so <laughs> the way i do it is a nat 20 in combat it's always a crit uh same way a nat 1 is always a miss and sometimes a mishap right the way that i do it narratively is if I'm letting you make the check, a nat 20 should work. I shouldn't be making you make checks that you're not going to actually succeed. Sure. Um, the only times where a nat 20 may not immediately work is, one, if it's a contested check and the other person also gets a nat 20. Right. Or if it's something that you're insisting that you make even though I'm telling you, like, it's not going to work. It's not going to Yeah. And then you get a nat 20, I'm like, cool, it's still 
So for the zone of truth thing, if someone had rolled in, because I know the whole thing was like, even if you succeeded, they're going to cast it again. Would a nat 20 have made a difference? It really wouldn't have because of the fact that like the spell explicitly states that they know if you failed or succeeded. Okay. So was that mostly just to see how people would respond? Yeah. Okay. It was a thing of like, you can resist. And if you do, like... They will take note of that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So they were paying attention to if you were trying to hide things by resisting. Right. And they were paying attention to also a little bit of like, are you able to resist this? What, sure. What did that tell me going forward? Right. That makes sense. Um, in terms of mishaps on like combat nat ones, how do you decide if something bad is going to happen versus if it's not? I kind of look at what they were doing. So for one, shooting an arrow at an enemy. That has a high probability of going right. Wrong it's easy and to misfire and hit someone, especially if someone else is up close in that same range. Mm-hmm. If you're swinging a sword at someone, it might be something more of like you drop the sword, right? Um, if you're making a check, like a dexterity check, and you not one, you eat shit. <laughs> what about for like a spell? Um, for a spell, again, it depends. Like a spell could completely misfire and go off in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. or it could be a thing of it kind of blows back at you a little. Sure. More. Uh, I think that that would happen a lot more with like evocation spells, like fireball stuff like that. That makes sense. Um, in terms, well, I guess fireball is not a good example because you don't roll for that one, but but things yeah, of that sort of that nature, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like other things like that, most of the time if you're rolling. A spell attack, it's usually either a ranged spell attack or it's a melee spell attack as you're like, like shocking grabs. Mm -hmm. And so like a nat one, like melee could be a thing of like, you like miss or like trip or something. Right. And so the spell would still fizzle. Like you still used up that spell fly and just miss. Mm -hmm. Um, But it could be of like, you reach out, stabilize yourself and grab an ally Mm -hmm. without thinking. That, that, That makes sense. Yeah, I like the way in our other campaign, the way it works is if you roll a nat one, you have to roll the attack again, Mm -hmm. and if it would have hit the second time, nothing happens, and if it misses the second time, then there is a consequence to your action. That's fair. And that's specifically only for attacks, it's not like other sorts of checks. But I think that's a fun mechanic of like, I'm going to give you a second chance to not like hurt your party member in this moment. Yeah, and like a lot of mine, it's like... I try not to actively fuck y'all over. Right. But sometimes it's like, this will be funny. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that is kind of the beauty of a nat one is that it's it's funny. Yeah. Sometimes failure is an interesting thing to play out. Yeah. Even if it means you accidentally eldritch blast your friend. <laughs> you get blasted. It happens. And I think that like a similar thing kind of goes for like skill check nat, nat ones of like, depending on what you're trying to do, However you're doing it, you're doing it very badly. Yeah. So, like, I like the idea of, like, a non-physical nat one of, like, you're trying to, like, study something arcane and you roll a nat one and you just get a migraine. Yeah, I do. I can't imagine being in a party where, like, narrative nat 20s and nat ones don't exist because that's so funny. Like, sure, it's really nice to get a guaranteed, like, yeah, what do you want to know? You know everything about this. But it's even funnier of, like, you talk to this person so bad that now they hate you. Not only do you not get your question answered, but, like, they actively want nothing to do with you anymore. Yeah. (laughs) You don't know how to read anymore. That's how bad 
bad your investigation <laughs> check was. Like, that's great. I love that. And you forgot how to speak English for, or, like, or common for, like, a good couple of seconds. Yeah. Especially that works if you know multiple languages. It's like you just completely forgot what language you're speaking in and realized halfway through the conversation that that person understood nothing of what you said. <laughs> I love that. That is such a good idea. Because, <laughs> you know, and that's also a thing of like, um, like people who are bilingual will sometimes like switch in and out of like languages yeah. and like it could happen of like you forget that the person that you're speaking to doesn't actually know that language. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Especially in a D&D campaign where, like, most of the time you're going around in one language. Mm-hmm. And most characters end up knowing more than one language, and so it's really funny if someone only knows one. Is it possible? I know for, like, NPCs, obviously, but for players, is it possible to only have one language? Rules as written, Grung don't know common. Hmm. Oh, but that's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Especially in a party like ours where I don't think there's any other language that is shared shared amongst everyone in the party. Yep. Uh, and so in that situation, I think that what we did was Kermit knew Grung and then took Common as their language that they got from their background. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So it was kind of a thing of like, we, we worked around it, but I think any other race, you're going to get common and a racial thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've, like, seen any other races where you don't get other languages. Yeah, so, like, generally the default is that, like, everyone speaks common. Right. Which is why it's called common. common. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but if you make a character that, like, you decide, I don't want them to speak common, I think that, like, they would have grown up completely secluded, they would not know this language... That's a cool concept. We'll work with that. It just may make things very difficult from a roleplay perspective. Yeah, and I think that's fine in terms of like interacting with NPCs. I feel like you just have to find a way to make it work with your party because it would be so frustrating to not be able to communicate with someone when you're communicating with them all the time. Yeah, <sighs> and like something that like I've worked out for like uh, deaf characters is instead of taking common, they take common sign language mm -hmm. and. And so based off of that, they would be able to sign, and then, um, so like the deaf character that I played took the observant feat at mm, one point. So they were good at lip reading? Yep, and so they could read lips in any of the other languages that they knew. That makes a lot of sense. And so they knew common sign, and then I think they also knew elvish sign. Okay. And then they also just inherently knew sylvan, so they couldn't, there was no specific El sylvan sign language, but they could lip read and understand if someone was speaking sylvan. Okay. I think that's a cool mechanic. And so they kind of, they got by with that. They got by through a lot of, like, writing, if there was ever, like, communication, especially in the beginning when they first met the party and had to, like, figure out how to communicate. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of writing things down. Um, and, like, it worked out, like... One other person in the party actually had sign as one of their languages. Oh, that's cool. And so, like, it worked out that, like, they were able to communicate, and that person that had sign that wasn't deaf was able to help also translate a little bit. I love the way that you have incorporated so much planning um, around, like, disability into your games. Not that deafness is a disability, but, you know, of umbrella of classifying yeah. it as, like, a medical disability, blah, blah, blah. I think it's interesting because I know that you've done other mm -hmm. stuff in other campaigns as well. Yeah, because I really, I try to make the world look as diverse as our world is. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, if it's a fantasy world, you should see more than just like, oh, 
it's an elf. Like, right. you get to see, like, other actual real world diversity as well. Sure. So, like, I try to have a lot of queer characters. And a lot of this is, like, not even, like, I'm just going to make this, queer, like, character queer. It's I'm going to roll and see when I make them of, like, Are gender and sexuality, stuff like that. I don't do it for every NPC for, like, sexuality and stuff. But for at least gender, I'll see, I'll roll, and it may not even ever come up. But Oh, yeah. well, I remember when we were doing family tree stuff, like, you had a whole list for every, like, person in your family tree for gender stuff, and it's like, it's like it's never once come up in the game, but it's like, yeah, I just have, like, a ton of trans family members, and that just be what it be. Yeah, and, like, I know that, like, some people will do the thing of, like, oh, well, like, what if that's not accepted in your game? I'm like... Why, why would I intentionally put transphobia in my game as a trans person? That feels like one of those things that you only encounter in games run and, like, played in groups of people that don't have a lot of diversity. Where it's yeah. just, like, you know, why would you, like, if you're playing a game with a bunch of queer people, why would there be, like, homophobia and transphobia in your game? Like, yeah. why do you want slavery to be a thing in your game? Like, why do you... I also... The reason I hate that as a concept is just like I am playing D and D as an escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with the real world shit that I have to deal with. And it's like I can see the point if you are a character and you specifically want to have something in your background related to that, or like I know that like DMs will sometimes put things in their game of like you are doing a very specific like task. And there is something involved in that, like, you are freeing a person or whatever, and maybe yeah. it turns into, like, a conversation about the, like, the systemic issues in that kingdom or whatever. But it's like, why in a fantasy world are we just deciding that it's okay to, like, people are just disliked for XYZ reason? Yeah. And so, like, that's the thing of, like, that will always be a character choice of if you want to include that in your backstory and, like, say you're playing a queer character that came from an unsupportive family. Sure. If that ever comes up in game, one, I double check with everyone and make sure, like, hey, is this is a sensitive topic? I want to judge everyone's comfort, like comfort level. Mm -hmm. And two, is this something you even want to have come up? Like, yeah, you can put in your backstory, but if you aren't comfortable that with that coming up, it it doesn't have to. It does not need to come up. Yeah. And so, and the same thing kind of goes for like any other thing where it's like, this is something that's a sensitive topic for me. I don't want to come up in game cool, we will make sure that it does not. Yeah, I mean, that seems like it should be a very easy conversation to have considering everyone's making everything up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, it's also okay if, like, something's coming up in-game and you're realizing, like, oh, I didn't think that this affected me this way before. Now it kind of does. I'm no longer me, comfortable. And we will yeah. definitely swap that around. Same with that. I try to avoid things I know are, like, like outright fears of players mm-hmm. of, like, I really didn't put a lot of clown in the game when Charlie was playing because he's very afraid of clowns. That's very funny. So I warned Only because I know that you intentionally put clowns in the game for me because you know I don't like them. <laughs> yeah. With that, it's like, I know that you're not afraid of them. I know that it's just like... like <laughs> they bother me on yeah. a personal level, but not in a fear-based way. Yeah. It's the same way that like I will probably never put mannequins in the game because I know that Lucy is like actually afraid of mannequins. Oh, but that'd be so cool. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's a thing of like it's a fear that I may not necessarily understand, yeah. but I'm gonna respect it. Yeah. And like sometimes I'll put things in the game that I think are creepy as fuck because I know that they're creepy as fuck, and as far as as far as I know, no one else is like actively like 
afraid of them. Right. So I'll put up I'll put in some fucked up creatures. Yeah, and I think that's cool. <laughs> but I also like I, I like putting in scenarios that make you challenge yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like challenge of a like a thing of like, hey, this is something that like I realize like I get freaked out by it. I wonder if my character would also be freaked out by this situation. That makes sense. Yeah, I recently had to deal with a fear. Not not like an actual fear, but a general discomfort with caves and like claustrophobia. Mm-hmm. And I got the shit scared out of me by an ambient sound during the game. <laughs> Everyone had to watch me physically jump because of a loud noise. That's fair. Yeah, I... I don't understand how DMs can have, like, actual, like, sound effects and music. I just can't do it. I can't focus. It was a very specific, like, this is what you hear as you're, like, hiding from this creature Mm. you haven't seen yet. This is the noise they make kind of thing. Nice. Actually, I think for the cave, there has been, like, very soft background, like, spooky noise, but not really loud enough that you notice it if it's not quiet. Yeah. So, like, in the game that I'm playing in, Jackson's Campaign... He'll have like background music playing and stuff like that. How does that work over Discord? I turned off. I can't focus if it's on. Yeah, that does. That seems like it would be really hard to do not in person unless you're like, I want to play a song. Everyone, shut up for a second. Yeah, it's like he has this like bot that plays like background music, mm. and he's like, you can adjust the bot's volume specifically. That makes sense. But I just like even when it's quiet, it's either like it's too quiet for me to hear. Or it's too loud for me to focus, and so I just I, I have them muted the entire time. Yeah, Discord is a, a hard one for me. If it's so easy to get distracted, I just can't I can't risk that. Yeah, and so like that's why I don't really incorporate music and stuff into my games. Is because as a DM, I have to pay attention. I have to focus on what's going on, and if I get distracted. It, it just makes it too hard. Well, and our party is so distractible anyways that you don't you don't want to encourage anything outside of what is already going on because we are hard enough to keep on track for multiple hours. Yeah, and that's the thing about like a bit of a larger party like this. Like six, six is manageable. I can definitely do six, but I know people who limited like can't go to six. Like there are people who are like four or five people max, mm-hmm. and like. That's fair. The more people it is, the harder it is to keep everyone going. And also, the harder combat is, because the more people you have, the longer it takes between turns, the more people can kind of, like, zone out, like, forget what they're doing, forget what's going on. Oh, yeah. Our other party has eight players, and, like... Combat must be miserable. Combat is honestly fine. I feel like Riley's done a good job figuring out how to do it, and that, like, one, when there are people missing, he doesn't put he doesn't play combat for those missing characters we basically just say like they're in a different area right now they're doing something else so that he doesn't make anything like longer than it has to be yeah which is good um i also think that like you know various people are more or less involved in the game so it's not like we have eight actively involved contributing to the plot members of the party it's like it's like like every game where everyone wants to do something different yeah it's like that never happens and he also usually limits us from doing more than like splitting the party in half kind of thing so definitely that is kept to a minimum it is hard though because we always order dinner during the session because it's sunday um and it's always really hard once food has been delivered to like get back to actually playing the game but you know it works 
Wow, you know we can eat. <laughs> I, look, I just got off of work. I have an excuse for <laughs> You, middle of filming a podcast. Man, I'd love to eat some food right now on this microphone. Oh yeah, the, the worst mouth sound possible. <laughs> People eating in general is the worst mouth sound possible. That's fair. <laughs> what is that? Like, what, one of the main podcast taboos is eating on mic. Eating a whole rotisserie chicken while playing your D&D game? <laughs> I'm oh. for it. In this one instance, I'm for it. You know? <laughs> or, like, uh, on MFM, where they, like, occasionally have, like, so candies to try. Oh, yeah. They're just straight up... At least it's, like, jelly beans and yeah. stuff like that, where you're not just, like... You're not having a lot of wet chews up in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you make that face. Chewing is a wet sound, and it's bad. I hate you in this moment. <laughs> well, I hate chewing sounds. <laughs> it could be a yes and. <laughs> I can do improv. I can yes and. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what other good, like, like, um, homebrew rules or just, like, just, like, things that I do at the table. Uh, you don't make us buy spell components for normal True. things. It's only things like expensive spells that you make us buy, which I appreciate because I already have enough stuff. <laughs> I don't need more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we all had to listen to me go through my inventory for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like random, like, mundane things of, like, a spell component, like, just a piece of, like, charcoal or something. I'm like, I'm not going to make you go out of your way to get that. Yeah, it's like, if you're a caster, you know what components you need. It should be assumed that you can acquire those. Unless, I guess, you're in an area where, like, there aren't certain materials. But, like, I guess that's on you as a DM to decide yeah, and when like, that happens. And, like, that's the whole thing about having, like, a spell focus is you don't need material components. Right. And so that's why, like, when you make your character, if you're making a spellcaster, it basically always gives you a choice of, like, spell focus or component pouch. Component pouch is assumed to have all the basic stuff already. Right. And so, like, I like that. Like, you can choose to take a component pouch, and if you want to add that into your stuff as, like, flavor of, like, hey, I take out whatever things I need and I, like, do the spell. Sure. Which is, like, like, man, that adds so much fucking time. Like, during combat, I don't want to hear about you, like, casting your spell. (laughs) Like, we have enough shit going on anyways. I don't talk about, like, drawing my bow and knocking my arrow. Like, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely fair. (laughs) Yeah, there's a certain amount of, like, flavor and flair that's fun, and then there's a certain amount that's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, it's like, this is a two-hour-long combat, and I don't need it to be any longer. Yeah. I think in terms of, like, other stuff, I guess one thing that I do technically have written down on my, like, home rules page is, uh, in terms of memory, uh, anything in your notes. Is stuff stuff that you know. Yeah. If it's not in your notes, it might be something that you know, it might be something that you can try to remember, or it just might be something that you don't know, You, you lost a chance. So that's why I actively encourage characters to write stuff down. I make character binders for everyone. You have you have paper in there. You can write things down. I have pens and pencils that I provide. All you need to do to play D&D is have a writing utensil, have your character sheet, and have some dice. And if you, for whatever reason, don't have dice, I have so many extras. Oh, we all have many, many <laughs> dice to yeah. spare. See, the way that I work for taking notes in D&D is I just have a very long, sprawling Google Doc, and I just kind of add shit places, because I don't like having to, like, 
look for things very much. So it's like I have a whole section in terms of like where I'm at with like learning skills and training my animals. And I have like stuff I know about other characters and stuff that's important to like me and my relationships. Yeah, and that is completely reasonable. Like that is definitely a way to do it. As long as you have a way to record information. It's the people who show up with nothing and then I'm like, cool. How are you going to play? It's like, even if you're not taking notes just as things are happening, just, you know, as general knowledge, you're going to want to remember some stuff every once in a while. Yeah. You are not going to remember everything after no. a four-hour session of D&D. You're also going to, like, you're going to want a pencil for, you know, keeping track of your HP and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, when people or just... the fucking, uh, the Roll20 app. Yeah. Which, wow, I never even realized until recently there was an app for Roll20, and that has been very nice. I don't think I have Roll20 as, like, an app. I have D&D Beyond as an app. I can't imagine it's super great as a DM, but in terms of just, like, pulling up character stuff, it's yeah. super nice, because it's easy to, like, I can track my HP, or I can just go through my inventory real quick. Like, it's nice so I don't have to pull out my laptop when it's just like, yeah. okay, I need something right now. Yeah, because I know I've definitely tried to get on Roll20 on mobile, and it's not designed very good for mobile apps. No, all. it's really, really bad and slow and clunky. Yeah. But the app is pretty nice because... I have to download that and see. Yeah, like it brings up your... You can just like click on your character and then it just brings up a nice little wow. concentrated... Is this a new app? It might be. Because I feel like I've looked this up before and I don't think it was a thing. So I think it might be a new app or like a relatively new. It's nice too because there's literally just a way that you can just nice. increase and decrease your HP. That's actually super helpful. I might suggest that on Saturday when everyone's playing of like, hey, there's this app. Yeah, it's Although, like I know not everyone uses Roll20 like our other campaign. We don't, none of our characters have Roll20 sheets, but... For our campaign, yeah. I know not everyone uses it, but we all do have them. Yeah. And it's very convenient for just, like, quick... Like, that's how I went through my inventory. You know? That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, like, I try to encourage people to at least have their Roll20 updated for, like, situations of if they're missing, missing a session and, like, say I need to run their character in combat or, like, something comes up involving their character, I can quickly reference it and see. And if it's up to date, cool. If it's not up to date, I'm like, wait a minute, this seems off. Or, like, hey... Why are you, like, two levels below? Like, what, what what all has happened since then? Yeah, I definitely try to, like, keep the stuff that I do on, like, my notes versus my Roll20 kind of separate. So it's like, I don't track inventory stuff in my notes at all because I don't want to, like, have two places to keep stuff. Yeah, you, you don't want it to be discrepant and be like, fuck, which thing is yeah. correct. It's like, I know I, like... You, Obviously, I'm not checking, like, important stuff all the time. Like, when we level up, I know to check both of my things. Mm -hmm. But just, like, from day-to-day -day stuff, like, I'm not writing down money things in my notes. I'm only doing it on my character sheet on Roll20. Like, I just don't want to risk yeah. having that discrepancy. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other stuff. I feel like I have a lot of homebrew, but I feel like I don't really have a whole lot of, like, home rules. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, like, the game was made up by people who put a lot of time and effort into making yeah. those rules. There's no reason to not follow a good amount of them. Yeah. And, like, when in doubt, rules as written, like, if it doesn't seem right for the situation, I'll tweak it a little bit and, like, 
edit to what I need to happen or like what I think is best for the situation. Sure, it can be case by case based on what's going on. Yeah, if I'm like looking at a thing and be like, mm, I don't like I, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it, it's my game. I get to decide. <laughs> Look, I mean, that is your power as a DM. Yeah, and that's why, like, I, I encourage people if they're like, hey. I think that, like, things should be done this way. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I, I will listen to that, and I'll see how it works. But otherwise, like, if it's a thing of, like, if you don't like a certain aspect of how I DM, that's fine. You don't have to do that in your games. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I also, like, encourage people to try out DMing. Figure out what you like. Figure out, like, how you, how you want things to go, and find your style. DMing sounds stressful. I have a hard time making rash decisions like that. I would be endlessly annoyed to plan sessions and then have them not go yeah. according to plan. And I know that's kind of the whole thing with yep. D&D. I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, you basically, you plan a certain amount and then you're like, the rest is just going to be what it is. Even just the idea of like setting DCs for things sounds stressful where it's like, I don't know. Uh, I feel like I would just be based on vibes where it's like, yeah, 13 seems good enough. Sure. Um, like, literally, I that's can't. me at any given time. I'm like, hmm, 15. Yeah, just like, I don't know how to do that. I feel like I would be very hypocritical and just like, you know what? An 8 is good enough this time. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, basically the rule of thumb is like, a 10 is like average. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, where where on the scale does this fall? Is this like an easy thing? So it's like a below 10? Is this like a, like average? If it's a really hard thing, I'm like, is 20 too high? Am I being mean? <laughs> <laughs> Just sounds stressful, so I will pass. Yeah. Besides maybe, like, a one-shot or, like, a pre-built campaign kind of thing, but... I, I'm excited for Lucy to try our one-shot. Yeah, I, I think a one-shot is a good way to start. Especially just because it's, like, this is something definitely up her alley. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it definitely gives people an appreciation for, like the work that your DM puts into things. And I feel like most people are, like, appreciative enough of their DMs, but definitely some people really like to shit on their DMs because they don't cater everything to them or do everything for them when it's like, this person is building a whole world for you. They are not yeah. going to be able to hold your hand through everything. And, like, that's the thing of, like, if you really don't enjoy playing with a certain DM... You don't have to. Right. You can leave a campaign if it's really becoming an issue. Yeah. And I know, like, some people will, like, feel bad. They're like, oh, well, like, they put so much work into it. It's like, they will find other players. Right. And it's like, like it might be something that you could have a conversation about where it's like, hey, I'm not loving how things are going right now. Do you think we'd be able to, like, change some stuff? But yeah. it's like... You can't expect them to say yes, and so if it's not gonna be the way you want it to be, like, leaving might be the best thing for everyone. Yeah, like, if it's a real deal-breaker, it's better to decide, like, okay, this is a deal-breaker for me, I'm gonna leave the campaign, rather than just feeling angry about it and getting resentful. Right, it's a role-playing game, it shouldn't be that serious. Yeah. And, like, we've seen that before, where, like, players disagree with DM rulings on how things should go. Yeah. And ultimately, it is, it, it's going to be what it's going to be, and ultimately the DM has to make a choice on, like, if they're going to, like, let you kind of counter it, or if they're going to be like, no, this was a fair ruling. Yeah. And 
it's not a perfect situation. Usually, you know, there is a both sides of the story kind of thing where it's like, you can make a case for yourself as a DM, the player can make a case for themselves as a player, and there's probably no objectively right or wrong answer. But ultimately, the DM gets to decide, and you as the player just kind of have to say whether or not you're okay with that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and like that's why like it's really interesting when people do uh, games that are co-DM'd. So, like, that sounds so difficult. I've never done it, and I'd be interested to try, but it's definitely that thing of, like, both DMs really have to be on the same page about a lot of stuff. Yeah. I feel like the best way to do it is, like, have certain things be delegated to certain DMs. Yeah. Like, either you do it, like, a session-by-session base, or, like, one person handles, like, Combat. combat, and the other person handles, like, more narrative stuff, or... Because, yeah, it's like you're you're not going to be able to handle those, like, split-second judgment calls if you're both trying to agree on it. Yeah, the most I've been able to do is, like, I will have, like, people that I reach out for for input of, Mm -hmm. like, hey, I want you to have input on how this thing goes. Of, like, when you control basically one of the gods in, like, the last campaign. Right. Of, like, you kind of have control over that aspect. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I have someone that is working and they have a lot of control over the benefactor. Hmm, interesting. Um, so if certain things come up, I'll ask them of like, hey, do you think that this sounds right? Interesting. Or, I didn't know yeah. anyone else was working on benefactor stuff. Yeah, uh, and so I'll also keep them updated. I'm like, oh yeah, so this is... Okay, it's not you it. then. It's not you. <laughs> no, it is not anyone in this party. Oh, that actually makes a lot more sense because I was going to say, I don't think anyone here is good enough at keeping secrets no, to do that. No, it, is, it is someone outside of the <laughs> okay, game. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Although, okay, can I ask, is it someone from the last party? God damn it. I can't tell you who it is. I'm not asking you to tell me who it is. I just wanted to know if it was someone who is familiar with the game. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so... I will say it was someone who wanted to be able to stay at least somewhat involved. Interesting. And so, like, I don't go to them about everything, but every now and then I'll be like, hey, so this is something that's happening. Yeah. So that I will leave that as a surprise. I have it narrowed down to, I think, two people who I think it is, but I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I'm mostly just basing this off of, like, how things in the last party kind of ended of statistically these are probably the two people who'd want to stay most involved that's fair yeah and then like there's also like little things of like i'll reach out to like other dms sometimes and be like hey here's how i did this thing what would you have ruled or like hey Mm. how would you like kind of especially if i'm introducing something homebrew i'll be like hey does this seem balanced do you think if you were to like consult with someone and you know like you were on the fence about like a decision you made and they said they would have done like the th- not the thing you did do you think you would ever go in a session and like undo that for the next time is that something you would ever consider doing i think you would definitely be under certain circumstances on if players were actively upset by how things went um and also if it's something that like could easily be undone of like a thing of like hey this happened last session let's just pervert a little bit back pretend that that part didn't happen if it was a thing of like this happened many sessions ago and has since influenced a lot of decisions it's a lot harder to do that right because the only time i've really thought about like undoing a thing that was done was the deck of many things poll we had recently 
which was done immediately after, so it like it makes the most sense, but yeah. <laughs> it's like no one was happy with the way that was going. Yeah, and that's why I was like, you know what? I will let you use your DM inspiration. I'll let you get a second pull and use that result instead. Which, thank God. <laughs> but normally, if it was a thing of like, you just didn't like what happened, yeah, sometimes there's consequences. If it was a thing of like, hey, this really fucked up a lot of stuff and everyone's unhappy, let's pretend that that part didn't happen. I'll let you take that back. Yeah, I could I could almost see a case kind of being made for that with like the stuff that happened last session, but it is one of those situations where it's like, this is drawing on, like... This is directly based off of the choices that the players made. Yeah, it's like, a, a case can be made of like, hey, can people stop making such rash decisions? But it's like, well, unfortunately, sometimes the best way to learn from <laughs> from those actions is to have those consequences, even if it's not fun or, like, you're being impacted by a choice that you didn't make. Yeah. It was also just, like, a thing, like, that could have been de-escalated in so many ways, and it just didn't. It didn't, yeah. And so that's why things got as bad as they did. Yeah. It was also a thing of, like, Hermit involving themselves in the, like, situation with the guards also kind of made it more of just, like, hey, this one person's intoxicated to, like, hey, this whole party, like, is kind of getting involved, like, what's going on? Right, and, yeah, it's, like, there's a case to be made of, like, it's unfortunate that the person, like, one of the people who ended up having to take the fall for that situation was a person who was not involved in the original yeah. problem, but they also committed a crime, so... I know, I'm, like, if only that hadn't had to come up. Right, then it wouldn't have been an issue. But it was the fact of, like, the interviews before, people were acting sketchy, and people were, uh, people yeah. couldn't remember names, and people were letting slip information that should not have been let slip. Right, it's, it was kind of a whole landslide of bad things kind of happening back to back to back, so even if you weren't involved in the original fuck-up, mm -hmm. you got involved later. And it was a thing of, like, as the interviews went on, they got progressively more and more suspicious of things weren't matching up, things were seeming real sketch, Danger mentioned that these, that some of the people in this group were from enemy kingdoms. Right, look, no one was, I don't think you were planning on sending anyone to jail at the start of that session, it's not nope. like you had a vendetta against anyone. Y'all were just gonna be on a ship, you were having <laughs> a good time, you had a, basically a 12 day vacation, and instead, Maggie had to turn into a moose after getting stoned and cause a ruckus. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes drugs. <laughs> she could have just been stoned in the room. Sometimes drugs. <laughs> she could have been stoned as a deer in the room if she really wanted to, but instead she was like, I have to go put myself in public. Yeah, well, look, she fucked around and she found out. Yep, and now she's really finding out because she's in jail. Yeah, well, that's the finding out. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> well, we are at... 55 minutes. Okay, I think that's a pretty <laughs> yep. good place to stop it. Um, so yeah, just a reminder, we are moving to bi-weekly. Um, a note was also added on the last uh, the last episode reminding people about this. Just got a lot of stuff going on in life. Bi-weekly is going to make it a little bit easier for us to record and edit these episodes because we do this unpaid in our free time. Uh, so. And also, you're the only one who edits. Like, yeah. let's not give me any credit here. You're the one who edits this. <laughs> My only contribution was helping pick the music. That's right. Look, Wandering Wizard. It's a good music. It's a bop. It's a bop for sure. 
Um, but yeah, so moving to bi-weekly will hopefully help us be able to still put out quality content rather than just putting out a lot of less good content. Is this because we had a three? <laughs> this is not because we had a three. <laughs> I think this is because we had a three. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll see what this episode is. Dionysus has been um, relegated to the patio, so he has not been able to hear the session, but he's been angry enough that it may be a low number. We'll see, what, we'll see when he rolls the dice. Well, everyone's about to find out. <laughs> yep. um, so we will keep you all updated if any more schedule changes happen. But for now, we're going to move on to Dionysus's dice roll of the episode. And we will see you all in two weeks. Yep, sounds good. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Oh, I thought he fucking... Chomped on her dice. <laughs> it's an 11. Okay, I'll take it. So Dionysus has decided that this is an 11 out of 20. Thank you, Dino. Enjoy your treat. And Pretty good considering he didn't hear any of it. Yeah. So we will see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye.